So plastic is a synthetic material that nature hasn't made and it therefore has no way to break it down or, or turn it back into natural elements and put it back into the circle of life. And it's just happened far too quickly for nature to evolve any way to deal with it. Just remember it's a synthetic material that nature has not made. Hey guys, welcome or welcome back to the Uncomfortable Is Okay podcast. I'm your host Chris Desmond. This is a show where we make it easier for you to get out of your comfort zones. It's Plastic Free July here in New Zealand. And in honour of that, I'm bringing back onto the show my mate Nick Morrison. Mori first appeared on the podcast back in episode 19, all the way back uh, in September 2016, just when the podcast was starting out. And if you haven't listened to that one, it, it would be behove you to go back and listen to it. Uh, Nick is a really interesting guy with an interesting backstory um, and you'll be entertained going back and having a listen to, to him and I have a chat then. But the reason that I'm getting him on now is that he's one of the co-founders of the Bags Not movement which aims to eradicate single-use plastic bags in New Zealand as well as the uh, as well as running Go Well Consulting, which uh, helps individuals, groups, and businesses to become more sustainable in their practices. Hopefully, you guys are aware of the increasing amount of plastic in our environment uh, and the the negative effects that that has on uh, on ourselves, but also on the on the planet as a whole. Um, if you're not this is the podcast for you uh, because Nick and I jump into a little bit of that but also talk through uh, how we as individuals or, or as groups and societies can make some small changes that will will make a big difference. And changing our habits around plastic is, is difficult, it's uncomfortable and I've found it uncomfortable as well as I, I want to try, I try and use less plastic but I don't always, it doesn't always come off for me. I still end up with a single-use plastic bag sometimes or I still end up with a plastic straw in my drink or some other form of plastic. But as Nick says, the best thing that you can do in a situation like that is just to get back on the horse and just start again because that's how we change our habits and also how, we, how we're going to change how much plastic where we're using, consuming, and then just throwing away and, and putting it back into the environment. It's a little bit of a heavy topic today, but actually most of the topics that I talk about are quite heavy, so it should be no different at all for you guys. I hope very much that you enjoy getting uncomfortable with Nick and I today. Nick Morrison, welcome back to the Uncomfortable is OK podcast. How are you going Thank tonight, you. mate? Yeah, very good. Thank you for having me again. It's a pleasure and we were just having a chat before we started recording that it's been about two years since we talked last and I think actually probably a nice place to, to start things off is what you let me know was going to be your next uncomfortable thing that you were going to do and writing an open letter to the Environment Minister at the time, Nick Smith. Yeah. How, how did that yeah. pan out for you? Well, it panned out very well, Chris. Um, yeah, you asked me as you do most or all of your guests, um, what next thing I was going to do that was uncomfortable and I pledged I would uh, write another letter to Nick Smith, I the then Environment Minister, because I'd already written him one about a year earlier, I think it was. Yeah, this letter got given to the director of a uh, advertising agency called BCG2. His name is James Blackwood and he read this letter and felt like he wanted to help and uh, asked me in to have a have a meeting with him and, and my friend who was a colleague there and a colleague of his there and we uh, talked about the plastic bag issue and plastic pollution as a whole and he said he wanted to help. Yeah, then we started the Bags Not campaign off the back of that really. So yeah, as I said to you off air, mate, indirectly um, you've had your part to play in Bags Not and uh, helping solve plastic pollution in New Zealand. Fantastic. I'm pretty stoked with that, actually. I'm, yeah, I'm very big stoked achievement that... for Uncomfortable is okay. Yeah? It is, it is. <laughs> Ticking things off. Actually, one of my other guests a couple of weeks ago said she was listening to a, uh, a podcast when she was out on, one of my podcasts when she was out on a 1,000K ride. And it actually, it spurred her to stop the ride 
because she just oh, wasn't well. enjoying it. Um, she's done thousand k rides before, so it wasn't like she wanted to just to tick it off. She was like, actually, I'm just going home. That was interesting, but I think this is, so, is yeah. probably a little bit more interesting. Yeah, right, right, right. So you kind of unmotivated her in a funny kind of way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that one. No, so mate, you did. You had a bit. You definitely had an influence. So I thank you for that on record. Thanking you for that because yeah, just having some time to reflect on that last um, podcast I did with you, it uh, it did it. It made me think. Oh well, I've said it now, so I've really got to do it. So yeah. Thank you, and, and good on you. Hopefully you have more influence like this, uh, Chris. Oh, mate, that would be ideal, actually, and I think that's one of the things that the, the podcast is about, is um, is actually kind of challenging people that listen to the, the podcast, but also kind of challenging the, the people that I talk to as well about continuing to step outside of their comfort zone because mm-hmm. everyone that I chat to is pretty impressive people, are doing some awesome things, and I can help anyway to get them to take the next step i mean the stuff that you're doing at the moment is it's stuff that's going to change the world completely Mm. so i'm pretty excited to play a small part in that well we'll see mate but it's definitely building some momentum and there's definitely a shift i think of attitudes and understanding in in this sort of field of solving these big environmental and social issues and yeah you know i think it's linking it back into your you know the title of your podcast it really is uncomfortable you know for all of us to think about the changes that we have to make and the size of those changes or the extent of those changes because the changes are quite small on an individual level right you know taking a bag shopping or not using a plastic drinking bottle etc is quite small on an individual level but it's massive on a you know nationwide scale or a global scale and it is happening and it is starting to transition and that's what I was going to say and that that is all sort of uncomfortable you know these kind of changes I was I moderate Facebook page right for the bags not campaign and I had this woman today said you know just the idea of not using a plastic bag to lie in her rubbish bin just seemed outrageous to her and it was so you know she just couldn't deal with it and you know it's just really interesting like for someone that you know here we've got plastic appearing in our food and in our beer and our drinking water and our salt and yet the idea of not having a uh, plastic bag to line your bin was just so uncomfortable for this woman, you know? So, yeah, there is, fundamentally, we all have to step out of our sort of comfort zones and make these changes that are uncomfortable. I think there is a... You're definitely right when you say that, that there is... It's massively uncomfortable to try and wrap your head around the changes that we're, that we're looking to make because, I mean, basically when you're making any change you're pretty much saying that actually the way that I'm doing things now is wrong or I could mm. be I could be doing them better maybe it's not mm. it's wrong it depends mm. on kind of where your headspace is at at the moment and how mm. your self-worth is going but if you're asking someone to make a change in the way that they live their life in a way that seems normal you're almost kind of invalidating the way that they're doing it at the moment so it is very uncomfortable for people to wrap their heads around that. And, and often, I'm sure that you come across this actually, is that people get quite defensive mm-hmm. about using plastic, mm-hmm. even though mm-hmm. deep down they probably know that it's not great for them and obviously it's not great for the environment either. Fundamentally what it's all about, I think, I mean, we have to change as a species. We have to make a bigger change than ever before. In our history, in human history, never have we been up against what we are now in the sense of the climate catastrophe that we are careering towards and the social and and political and economic catastrophes that will come along with that, right? So the changes are quite overwhelming and trying to tell people that they need to do this because otherwise this is going to happen, you know, we're going to sea level rise, we're going to have massive storms, we're going to have more erosion, we're going to run out of food because it's all going to get destroyed, we're going to have more fires, all these things, like that's a lot for people to take in, you know, like, you know, we generally want to just go about our days, look after the people we love, spend time doing the things we love doing, make a living and just sort of be happy with, with, with that, but the reality is that the way we're going about doing all those things is fundamentally destroying the planet well and the planet as we need it to survive on it so trying to explain to people these you know this is the extent of the problem and these are the small changes you can make you can imagine that people do get yeah defensive and it's quite it's just kind of a 
human natural human reaction you know when you get told these kind of things just to sort of douse it at first or question it or just disregard it at first you know like you just think how long ago you know sustainability and sort of global warming and everything started getting talked about you know it was decades ago but yet we're still making it warmer and warmer and we're still producing more plastics and we're still burning more fossil fuels etc you know still haven't changed because fundamentally that change that needs to happen is just so hard for so many people there's a this really interesting insight into human behavior and human just humanity i guess and how we are definitely and i think as you say you kind of there's the big picture stuff as well that you talk about that the climate change and if we keep going the way that we are going at the moment then all of the things that are going to happen from that point of view and often sort of trying to wrap your head around that is is quite overwhelming yeah, for people and, and as individuals it's really hard sometimes even like for me when i think about it, it it's hard to kind of fathom the effect that one person can have but i think like with that it's going it is all about the the one person and what they do and it's mm. the one person as a collective that mm-hmm. is going to make a make a difference but it all it does start with yourself if you're trying to distill these kind of overwhelming ideas about why people should take a reusable bag to the supermarket rather than mm. pick up a plastic one mate how do you break that down for someone so that they don't get overwhelmed yeah. Yeah, I think it's a little bit case by case. I mean, it's very different talking to, you know, an individual at, you know, like a a dinner party or a night out or if you go to, you know, if I go to maybe a a sustainability sort of event or something. Obviously, those conversations are a little bit different to, say, trying to talk to a larger group or a wider audience in the sense of like what Bags Not is trying to do as a campaign. So, yeah, it's, it's definitely a little bit contextual, but... What we're trying to do, if if I look at the say that the wider, the big target audience, and, and look at say what we're trying to do with bags, not is we're trying to break it down to really simple solutions. We're trying to be really positive and solutions based. So we know there's this massive problem that's plastic pollution. Most people know there is. A lot of people don't know or don't know the extent of how bad it is. But yeah, we're trying to not talk about that too much. Just be like, okay, there's a massive problem. Let's not delve into that too much. Here's just some simple solutions that you can do as an individual or as a community um, or as a family to stop being part of that problem and start being part of the solutions. You know, for example, with plastic bags or, or for reusable bags, put one by your door or put a note on your dashboard of your car that the, the bags are in the boot or put a reminder on your phone when you go shopping that it goes off. To, so yeah, we're trying to break it down to these really sort of practical steps that people can use because I think you know I've learned a lot about sort of human behavior and and how to influence change Uh, but it sort of does it does make me think a little bit of back on my time as being a fitness trainer as well a similar kind of thing right we're trying to essentially we just need people to create new habits because yeah again using the example of plastic and plastic bags we're in such a habit of just going out the door taking our our wallet our, our, our phone and our keys that's all habit now we just need to add the habit of taking a bag with you you know it's a pretty simple easy thing to do but the way humans are wired it's actually really hard to learn to remember to do that right and it just takes time and it takes persistence and I and I think support so yeah we're really trying to in that talking when talking to a big audience like we are with the bags not campaign we're trying to break it down into really simple little steps when it comes to talking I guess to a smaller sort of audience and you've got a bit more time with them and you can explain things a bit better you kind of go into a bit more context and yeah you kind of try to yeah, elaborate on points etc is that does that answer the question it does it <laughs> does and I think actually what might be good now Nick is I mean I've got a quite a small audience and we've got a little bit of time now do you want to yeah. do you want to delve into a wee bit of context around this yeah, sure. And what sort of aspect around the plastics or around behaviour change? Or I think around. I think start off with around change. plastics because I think that's an important yeah. message to talk about, and then yeah. we can take that and go into behaviour change from there mm. and, and yeah. changing our behaviour around plastic and using that as an example. Yeah, cool, man. So I would start by saying the simple. Point and, and fundamental point that everybody needs to remember and, and understand and 
put at the front of their understanding and thinking is that plastic is a synthetic material, okay? So it is not made by nature. So everything in nature grows, then it dies, then it decays, okay? Some things do that rapidly in the space of a few days or weeks. Some things do that over years or, or even decades. But that's how it works. It's a circular model in nature, okay? And it's been doing it for four billion odd years, about how long we've had life on Earth. And it's a proven model, right? It, it works. And it's the only way it can possibly work if you understand the laws of nature and laws of physics, which I have a limited understanding of. But it can't, it can't be any other way. So plastic is a synthetic material that nature hasn't made and it therefore has no way to break it down or, or, or turn it back into natural elements and put it back into the circle of life. And it, and it just happens far too quickly for nature to evolve anyway to deal with it. So it's just, that's a really important fundamental point to remember when you're thinking about, you know, oh, how convenient plastic is and how, you know, convenient a straw is or a plastic bottle. Just remember it's a synthetic material that nature has not made and so it doesn't know how to deal with. And, and then it's really important to remember or to learn about recycling because there's a lot of misunderstanding around recycling and a lot of people use that as a kind of excuse or a fallback. Okay, and fundamentally plastics can only be recycled. Only some plastics, you sort of split your plastics into thermoplastics and thermoset plastics. Your thermoset plastics are like what your computer, your laptop cases or maybe your headphones that we've got on, those kind of set hard plastics they can't be recycled at all at this stage. Then you've got your thermoplastics, and those are like your softer plastics, your plastic bottles, your PET plastics, your yeah, your plastic bags, etc. They can be recycled, but only so many times before the process of recycling basically causes the molecular bonds within the plastics to weaken, and the plastic becomes brittle and unstable and can't be used. So even if plastics are recycled... I've read anywhere between sort of two times and sort of up to seven times that it can sort of be recycled. But around the world, the recycling rates are about 9 to 15% of total plastics are actually being recycled, okay? So, yeah, synthetic material and recycling is fundamentally flawed and it is not working. Further to the issue around how many times you can recycle plastics is also really important to understand the um, economics around recycling, it's a traded commodity and it's traded like all other commodities in the sense that the price goes up and down depending on supply and demand. And there's just so much plastic that there's such an oversupply of it that there's not really a demand for it. And no one's buying this recycled plastic, mostly because the price of oil is so low and therefore virgin plastic is really cheap and easy to make and, and there's no risk of it being contaminated yeah when you recycle there's always a slight risk that there could be some contamination and the recycled plastic's not as good so yeah going back to sort of those key points really was that yeah plastic is a synthetic material so recycling is fundamentally flawed okay both in the sense that plastic can only be recycled a few times before it's going to go to landfill anyway or, or into the open environment and the economics around recycling, okay, is that people need to buy recycled plastics for there to be any profit in recycling plastics. So those are sort of real key things to, to remember, I think, to start with. And then the issue, right, is that plastic is escaping out into the environments all around the world, and it is it doesn't biodegrade or it doesn't decompose back into nature like natural things do, okay? It doesn't just return back into nitrogen, carbon, water, like a leaf does or we do or, you know, a banana skin does, whatever. It just breaks apart into smaller and smaller bits of a synthetic material. And so that is, by definition, it's toxic, right? It's not made by nature and it's, it's toxic and it interrupts nature's natural systems. Or, for, you know, for example, a lot of the chemicals that you find in plastics are actually um, endocrine disruptors in the human body, okay? So a lot of... Um, talk around some of the uh, plastics that, I'm trying to think of the term of it, I should know, sort of putting myself as this plastic expert, you might be able to help me, one of the, you know, they often say blah 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 free type of plastic oh, that's... No. BPA free? BPA, that's it. BPA is a proven endocrine disruptor within the human body and I was just reading an article today actually, around 90% of human population has been found to have BPA in its urine, which is pretty mind-blowing, you know, so... 
yeah, plastics just break down into smaller and smaller pieces and they disperse in amongst the environment. And when they get to such small pieces, these smaller animals, you know, as small as krill or plankton in the ocean are eating it and they're consuming it and all the toxins that come with it. And then that's going up the food chain. So fish are eating those and dolphins are eating those or tuna are eating those fish, bigger fish. And then we're eating that and we're literally eating plastics, you know, and that's pretty crazy when you think about it. When you think that plastics were invented in the, oh, I think they were invented back in like the early 20s maybe, and became commercialized around sort of the 50s or 60s, you know, in the space of sort of five or six decades, we've produced the substance that is now contaminating our food and contaminating our drinking water. And when I think about, you know, I don't have any children, but if I was to bring children into this world and say, oh, hey, welcome into this world, drinking water is polluted with plastic polluted with the synthetic material I'd sort of think have we left this place better than we found it or have we kind of shit in our own nest a little bit here you know like yeah the issue is big it's a really big issue plastic pollution and I guess one of the real challenges for people or to getting it across to people is that it's a it's overwhelming like that but b it's it's out of people's minds it's out of sight you know because somewhere like New Zealand we've got a really good waste infrastructure so it gets collected and taken away and we don't see it Virtually all of our plastic was getting sent over to Asia to get either recycled or dumped. Most of, a lot of it were getting dumped because there's just so much of it. Like I said, only sort of nine to fifteen percent of the world's plastic is getting recycled. So even in New Zealand, we think we're doing the right thing in recycling it. It's getting sent over to these parts of the world that are absolutely swamped in it anyway. Yeah, so out of sight in that sense. But also, it's so small. Like these microfibers are, you know, tiny, tiny. Like the breadth of a hair. If that's the word. The width of a hair, like a human hair, they're tiny and they it's really hard for people to understand that. Or, you know, they you might go walking along the beach and you think it's looking beautiful and there's no plastic here, but you look closer and you'll see all these little nurdles which are sort of look like little fish eggs and that's sort of how, that's how plastic's transported around the world. And they are a major issue. That's a ma- that's plastic pollution. So yeah, massive problem but hard for a lot of people to understand because they just don't see it, you know? Mm. Or we've become conditioned to it you know like I, I live in Auckland and I just in gobsmacked every day I have to really try and keep my head up otherwise I start picking up rubbish everywhere I go because there's so much rubbish on the streets New Zealand was ranked by the World Bank earlier this year as the 10th worst country in the whole world for the amount of trash we produce urban trash really? we produce right that flies and, in the face of the, the clean green reputation oh. doesn't it so much in the face and so people and it's that's been incremental right so over time we've got more and more trash on our streets and more and more plastics and and people just slowly get used to that and so it's not like it was just perfectly clean and then suddenly it was all there it's slowly built up built up built up you know it's like someone slowly putting on weight and, and if you're living with that person you kind of don't notice it but if you haven't seen them for six months you kind of do <laughs> that's what's happened here right it's just slowly building up and we we so many people just used to living in this sort of cesspit of plastic trash everywhere and yeah i just find that so saddening that people are sort of so disconnected from reality that they kind of just think they think that's acceptable or that's okay or it's not a problem and i think like part of it is kind of personalizing the the problem for people as well is that i mean you see a plastic bag blowing down the street and you think oh that's that's sad or that's kind of real like weird american beauty style shit but it doesn't really affect me that much i might go and pick it up but i mean something that i mean you mentioned people getting fat earlier and and as a general rule the population is getting fatter plastic has a part to play in that actually there's Mm. there's been studies that they've done that they've taken a couple of groups of people that are working out and on the same program and the one variable that they changed with it is they stopped half the group drinking out of plastic water bottles and changed them i can't remember if it was to metal or to glass and kept the other half drinking out of plastic water bottles and on average the people that stopped drinking out of plastic lost more weight than the people that were still drinking out of of plastic and it was a significant amount i can't remember the number off the top of my head but i think it was about five kgs so it has yeah. that health effect on you as well and I think yeah. it's as you mentioned it's because it disrupts the endocrine system so I mean that this plastic that is just kind of insidiously sort of taking over everything is it does really affect our our health and our well-being oh. and how we live our life so that basically you're eating that plastic bag yeah it is and I think that's just such the, it's just so 
challenging how it's worked out, right? Because plastic is just so useful and functional in terms of packaging things and convenience and you know it's got so many uses from you know making our cars so much lighter and using less petrol to you know everything we're using in terms of right now to do this podcast in terms of our earplugs even though mine stopped working computers and everything like plastic is just so useful but yet it's the synthetic material that and it's made from petrochemicals, you know, that have been made up in a lab and then produced on a mass scale in the, you know, big dirty factories, etc. And people are wrapping their food in it, you know, or heating their food. I can't, God, yeah, maybe I'm getting a bit, I don't know, plastic phobic, but like, I cannot get my head around people microwaving, you know, food that's wrapped in plastic. Or, yeah, storing, you know, hot food in plastic. It's like, oh, really? What is that doing? And, it's hard to prove it, but I, I mean, this is the first sort of study that I've heard of that you mentioned of a kind of direct correlation there between, yeah, just simply drinking out of a plastic water bottle and losing weight. Like, I'd love to read more about I'll that. I'll see if I can um, find it for you, mate. But yeah, but it makes perfect sense, right? Like, it's, like I say, it's a synthetic, man made, I use the quotes there on the man, man made material that nature just doesn't really know how to deal with. So, it's the same with our bodies as well. Like, and it's just everywhere, it's just proliferated our our lifestyles and our way of living that it's just quite scary and the thought of getting it out of our lives is really challenging it's really challenging but it's what we've got to do so we just got to get on and get doing it really mm. and i mean i think like from from that most people will hopefully have uh, if they didn't already have an idea that actually hey this is something that we need to that we need to change that we need to work on but as you said it's a it's a behavioral shift and it's it's changing the way that we do things and part of it is part of it's building new habits but i think mm-hmm. part of it is is also kind of replacing some of the convenience that plastic gives us with something mm-hmm. that isn't that much harder to do or is the same amount of convenience mm-hmm. i mean how do you when you're getting working with someone to do that or to change kind of the culture of their organization or how do you replace that plastic and how do you get them to yeah. do things a different way you know there's quite a lot of answers to that like it, it depends if you're looking at businesses what their businesses are and where they need it and they don't need it and I, I guess we're still at this stage of just mindless use of plastics too, right? And just careless use of it. Like, I don't know, I think going to using an individual sort of example, I I saw a guy walk into a cafe the other day with a bottle of Sprite in a plastic bag, but he was holding it with his hands around the bottle. So he didn't even need the bag. You know, he wasn't holding the bag for the purpose that a bag was given to him. He was holding his hands around the bottle, just the bag was in between his hand and the bottle. So... He'd obviously walked into that dairy and said, oh, hey, mate, you just get a drink. Maybe you didn't talk to him. I don't know. Anyway, put it down the counter. The guy would have been like, you know, 350 or whatever. He would have got his card out and tapped and put his pin in or just tapped and go. And while he was doing that, the guy behind the counter or woman behind the counter would have picked it up and put it in a plastic bag, give it to him. And he said, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. They walked out the door. Like that is the level of mindlessness that we've got going on all around New Zealand and all around the world. That's why... We're using in New Zealand 1.6 billion plastic bags, you know, because there's such mindlessness around it. So we've got that at one end of the scale, and then we've got the other end of the scale where you know people are, are not using any plastic in their in their lives, or are only using you know plastic thermoset plastics in the sense of like your computers and your headphones, etc. That I mentioned before, but definitely not any single-use plastics. So anyway, coming back to sort of more what your question was about in terms of going into organizations or, or, or changing that you've got to yeah, sort of look at where they're at and look at their business look at their or if it's an individual look at their situation and, and try and see where they are on that scale from absolute you know totally unwoke not knowing anything about it to extremely woke and aware and and so then you've got to potentially educate them about it or talk to them about why they need to change or it might be and that's challenging because you've got to start sort of back there and, and like we talked about all these things just before people are generally resistant to change and kind of don't like being told what they've been doing has been wrong or has been polluting or has been hurting anyone or anything. So 
that's challenging. And then you've got yeah people who are more keen to who who are more educated or more aware about it and are keen to uh, make more changes and, and reduce their impacts even more. And so then it would just be a matter of yeah sort of talking through that and then looking at the the purposes of using the plastic. So is it actually necessary at all? Could you do without it completely? Classic one that's happening quite a bit around the, now is is receipts. You know they have a plastic sort of coating on them and you know more and more now you'll see like your car parking stations and stuff like that they won't give a receipt or they'll ask you if you want one so things like that where it's just totally pointless you don't need it especially now with the technology we've got you can email a receipt to you or send it via your phone in some other format and then it's sort of looking at the systems changes that can happen and I guess this is this starts touching on this bigger wider sustainability conversation and it's not about just changing things and to use a bit of jargon here in silos, but just piece by piece. But it's about this bigger picture and the whole economy and the whole infrastructure being set up to support a sustainable way of living and doing business, right? So we start looking at, I don't know, say wrapping up your, say you go to a business and they, and they store merchandise and you've got to wrap it up to stop it falling off the pallet or whatever. So is there a method then where they could make a or, or a business could come in and make a stretchy type net that could click on and hold that merchandise on the pallet in a, in a similar kind of way and then you can take that off and reuse that yeah and because so, that's how pallets work it's a system that they basically you you pay a bond on them and you, they're all circulated around and then when you take them all back you get some money back and if you break one you lose your money etc so you could do the same kind of thing but this is a whole systems thinking so yeah it can sort of be going into um, businesses and it can be on that sort of scale it could be a much smaller scale on terms of just getting a business to supply their their staff with reusable cups and then creating some kind of behavioral change incentive be it you know they'll get a free coffee after 10 or they'll have to pay a dollar into a fine jar if they forget to take it or something like that to get that company to change its culture around yeah, around single-use coffee cups and things like that. So, yeah, it's a really broad scale and, and it covers sort of how aware or how woke people are to the problem and sort of what their situation is if it's, yeah, on a business level or, or a personal level. So, yeah, it's really broad, Chris, and I, I think that's what I really like about sustainability and stuff as well. You know, it's this deep thinking and it's, it's not just this, oh, yeah, let's swap out plastic bags with paper bags and then the problem's solved because there's a whole lot of impact from the paper because we've got to cut down a whole lot of trees to do that and we've just seen what's happened recently over it was at Gisborne Tolaga Bay with all the all the forestry stuff that came down and destroyed mm. all the farming land there you know so all these impacts from using a whole lot of paper and then people say oh you know we'll just use compostable plastics and it's like well great but again where are they growing most of the sugar because sugar's what they use to make these compostable plastics comes from the sort of rust belt in the, in the states where they grow all the corn and most of that's GMO'd and they use shitload of you know pesticides and herbicides on the soil and that and it's all monocropping huge huge monocropped style of farming and you know that's destroying the ecosystem and the water and there's a big dead zone out into the Gulf of Mexico where the Mississippi runs into because of all that and so yeah you gotta there's a lot of deeper thinking around actually what are the full impacts here around where something comes from and where it will end up which I really like but it, it, it is challenging to work through that with people because often people are just like oh just too hard you know it's 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 it is and it is hard yeah, but you get it a lot less it's, oh it's just too hard trying to save the world or it's just too hard just <laughs> trying to do the right thing and and yeah you know some there are days i have to admit that oh, i wish i kind of was totally ignorant to it all and i knew nothing and was just carry on and, and as i was sort of i don't know eight nine ten years ago when i was just oblivious to it all and used plastic bags and ate meat for every meal and didn't care about burning energy or you know blow were warming I didn't know anything about it, it was blissful <laughs> yeah yeah but um but yeah it's, it's quite stimulating as well it is and I mean it's a, if it was easy then we probably would have done it already I'm so mm. glad that we've got people like you thinking about it for us and I mean mm. with with your experience and with kind of what you see happening at the moment despite the challenges around it, are you optimistic that this is a hurdle that we'll overcome Someone asked me that today, actually, a woman that I work with at the uh, advertising agency, and for my own mental health, have to stay positive. I, I just, I don't want to be a, a grumpy, miserable kind of sod. No one would listen to you if you were. Exactly, yeah, exactly. 
and I don't want to be that kind of person, you know, like I, I want to enjoy life and I want to enjoy the simple things around life and I want to keep doing the things I love. So, yeah, I guess I am really am taking a concerted effort to remain optimistic and I, I fundamentally believe, this will sound really cheesy, but I'll say it anyway, I fundamentally believe that, you know, 99.9% of people across this world want the best for their loved ones, the best for their friends, the best for their community and the best for the, the planet. They don't want it destroyed. They don't want it to fall apart. They want their children to have clean, fresh water and healthy, nutritious food and free of conflict and violence and all those kind of things. And so, yeah, that I, I truly believe that. And I think it's just about sort of showing people, yeah, about how what these problems are and explaining them to people so they can understand it and helping them with solutions because, yeah, it just gets back to that kind of humanness of it all, really, like there's behavior change and, and getting people to change how they're doing things is a really interesting insight into how we're wired you know uh, i believe in, in the good of the people and i believe that we can do it um, we've achieved some amazing things as people before and as a nation before and we can absolutely do this but there are times there are definitely times when i read an article or watch a, another video or learn another fact or stat or something that I um, do feel a little bit uh, negative about the outcome. Um, I guess, yeah, the key is that for me, absolutely we can turn things around, but we need to act quick, like really quick. We need to have really turned this around, you know, 10 years ago. But um, if people can really wake up to it and change it on the scale that we need to, Nick, with with that being said, for someone that is just starting out or a family that's just starting out to try and reduce the amount of plastic that they use, what can they go and do tomorrow or not do tomorrow to make a start and to change their habits? Great, great question. I'm glad you sort of put it on this because it is about just these fundamental little steps, you know, these big things we were sort of talking about come down to just these fundamental tiny little steps that might seem really insignificant, but they add up to big, big things. So you just have to make a conscious effort first and foremost. And I would just pick one thing, one sort of plastic item that you want to eliminate first and foremost. And it's a great time to do it because, of course, as you know, it's plastic-free July at the moment. So great time to try and go a month without using, say, just straws. So just saying no to straws, not using them. If you go and get a milkshake, just say no straw in it, please. If you get a smoothie, no straw in it, please. Or perhaps you invest in getting a reusable straw, a metal reusable straw, or glass one, and you take it with it, take it with you. But I would just make a concerted effort and a conscious effort to just eliminate one sort of single-use plastic item out of your life and just get that done. Because if you try and take on too much, it will overwhelm you and you'll be like, ah, too hard, I give up and stop. But if it's just one item, you can you can do that and you'll achieve that and you'll tick it off and you'll learn the new habit and then you can start looking at the next thing, okay? And then you start looking at maybe plastic bottles and you go, okay, I'm going to stop buying drinks in plastic bottles. I'm going to I'm going to take a reusable bottle with me or I'm going to drink in. I'm going to have my drinks in a cafe and ask them for in a glass or I don't know, squeeze my own orange juice or whatever. But then you, yeah, next step might be just plastic bottles. That's it. Your straws, you're done now. You already stopped using those. That's just second nature to you now. Then you focus on bottles. And then after maybe might be another month, two months, go the next thing. For me, just recently, like, and I've stopped using plastic bags, I don't know, six, seven, eight years ago, and slowly working through things and straws and bottles. But what I've just made a concerted effort to do is to stop buying plastic clothing. So a lot of our clothing is made from polyester, which is a type of plastic. And that I've just learned a lot the last wee while around the impacts of these plastic fibers that are coming out of the washing machine when we wash our clothes. And I play my football, as you know, and I'm a former fitness trainer. So I've got a lot of this polyester, you know, climber light type branding clothing. And so I've been like, okay, stop using those. And, and, and if, yeah, if I tried to do that all at once, it would have been too overwhelming and I would have failed but step by step I'm, I've got more and more of this plastic out of my life and I'm less and less a part of that problem and I guess the other key thing to, to, to mention is that you will fail and you will step muck up and you will trip up but don't quit at that like oh shit forgot to ask 
and take a straw out. Oh, well. And that'll still happen to me now. I'll get a drink somewhere and I might forget. I'm talking to someone. I forget to say to the, the waiter, you know, or, or waitress, no straw, thanks. And then they'll bring it out with a straw. Oh, but overall, I'm winning and I'm making these changes. And, you know, a lot of it's just second nature for me now. Like, I just... Whenever I, I go, I was actually down in Wellington rest, uh, the last weekend, mate, and, you know, when I travel, I take my little reusable bag with me that folds up into, like, sort of a little small little handheld pocket-sized bag that I put in my, my bigger bag with me, and I use that to put my dirty clothing in when I came back. It's just second nature to me now. I don't even think about it. I, I'm packing my bag, and I just always think, oh, you've got my reusable bag, you know, but that took time to, to get to that point. So, yeah, set yourself one thing at first, stick to it for you know a few weeks to a month, and then go on to the next thing. And if you trip up, get back up and keep going. Nick, what was the last uncomfortable thing that you did, and, and how did you get through it, mate? <laughs> I, I touched on it briefly just before. I, I was down in Wellington just in the weekend, and I ran a uh, half marathon, which was incredibly uncomfortable. <laughs> That's a <laughs> horrible day, too. It. Yeah, it was a crappy day. It was beautiful on the Saturday, and then the Sunday was really crappy and wet and cold but um so that was really uncomfortable mate and I just pushed through it was yeah, sort of that kind of it was a physical uncomfortable but just I guess determination and uh wanting to I guess it's in a way I feel like doing something like a half marathon like that is it's about doing what you say you're going to do so all right I'm going to run a half marathon right we'll go and do it then and so I'd said I'd do it but I had to do it really in a more kind of I don't know metaphorical or emotional kind of uncomfortable I haven't told a lot of people this actually but even uncomfortable telling you really but I I saved this specially for your uh, podcast Chris oh, uh, thanks mate I, um, I did some stand-up comedy a couple of months ago now a friend that I've met in Auckland and he's a comedian and he uh, encouraged me to do it there's a um, sort of open mic night a place here in uh, Auckland called the classic it's an awesome little comedy bar if you've ever if you've ever been, you'll know. If you haven't, I highly recommend going. But, yeah, they have this sort of open mic night on a Mondays, and I bugger it. You know, why not? Give it a go. This absolutely scares the shit out of me, but um, I'm going to give it a go. And so, yeah, did it, I've done it sort of two or three times. Varying levels of success. I made a few people laugh, I think. So a couple of gigs were better than the other one. But, yeah, that was, man, that was really uncomfortable. I felt really, really uncomfortable and out of my, yeah, out of my comfort zone. <laughs> that's that's amazing mate and I mean stand up comedy is something that's always kind of fascinated me and I think it would be it would be yeah very uncomfortable for me to do as well which is oh, probably yeah. why I should go and do it give it a go go and, and watch a few and get a sense for it talk to some people who have done it before well that's what I did you might just go balls deep and just go straight <laughs> on stage mate but yeah and get I, I would definitely recommend just prepping for it as well like you do I thought you know I just jump on and just start talking shit but you actually um i think need to a bit prepared and know what you're going to talk about because it's so different you know and all of a sudden you're on stage in front of everybody and the light's shining in your eyes and you're just hanging on the reaction of the audience and it's a really uh exhilarating and challenging experience but i'm really glad i did it you know like these things these uncomfortable things that we do that you always come out of them a bigger better person you know like you just I definitely grew a foot after doing it. I felt, shit, if I can do it, do this, well then I can sort of talk to anyone, you know? Oh, absolutely, mate, absolutely. What's the next uncomfortable thing that you're going to do and why is that uncomfortable for you? Uh, next uncomfortable thing I'm going to do, I, I said to you I had these answers really, but I, I didn't remember that one. <laughs> <laughs> I am doing a talk actually in uh, Wellington again very shortly in the coming uh, next few weeks the, for the Wellington Rotary Club and I've been asked to come and talk about sort of my dreams as the title, talking about your dreams and how we're going to achieve those and so sort of talking about plastic pollution and in New Zealand I guess in sort of New Zealand and in Wellington context and that's going to be in front of 250 people so that makes me nervous and it makes me uncomfortable even though I just sort of said having done doing that comedy gives me some confidence, it's still, that's uncomfortable. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. Um, <laughs> definitely hit me up when you're down, mate. We, we need to have a catch up. Yeah, 23rd of August. Okay, good, good, good. And another uncomfortable thing that, you, that you're planning on doing, and I want to I wanna push this out there actually just to kind of hold you to account for it, is that you're yeah. going to start up your own podcast as well. 
Oh yes, well I, we were talking about that off air before we started. Yeah, I, I've I came to you and asked you a, a month or so ago about starting up my own podcast, and yeah, it's something I really want to do just to again making around making sustainability and living sustainably much more accessible for more people because I think there's so much confusion and there's so many people who just don't really know where to start or how to start or they can make any kind of difference. So. Yeah, I'd like to do some sort of podcast to sort of talk about those kind of things. And yeah, that's uncomfortable, thinking about how I'm going to do that and putting myself out there. But luckily, I've got you as a mentor, Chris, to uh, help me do that. Oh, it, it's a pleasure, mate. I'm oh, oh, looking forward to listening. Do you have a title for it yet? My friend, actually, do you know Thomas Orr? He's a um, very good friend of mine who lives over in Copenhagen. And he's just recently started this campaign, this little Instagram campaign, where he's picking up cigarette butts after he found his son about to put one in his mouth. And he's just basically uncovered this just, you know, horrendous amount of cigarette butts all over Copenhagen's. And a lot of them in these like children's playgrounds and smoke free playgrounds and stuff. Anyway, he said to me the other day, oh, I did some kind of post or something. And he said, clean New Zealand dirty language. And I thought, oh, yeah, that, that could be a good podcast name. So. Maybe I'm think I'm throwing playing that around in my head, but I haven't settled on it yet. I, I won't. I won't. You can't hold me to that name mm, just yet. Okay. Okay. Um, everyone listening, give us a bit of feedback on that and and yeah. uh, let us know what you think. Clean New Zealand dirty language. Yeah. That's good, actually. I mean, it lets you get away with a whole lot of shit, eh? That you can talk <laughs> yeah. about then. It's it. Just drops a bit bombs. Yeah. Nick, do you have any other strategies that you use to approach uncomfortable situations? Good question. Do I have strategies? I'm sure I do. What would they be? I guess taking a deep breath and just being present. I, I sort of have a bit of a motto on my own head of sort of, I don't know, I say sink or swim or, you know, I really like to take the opportunities that, that come my way. So I sort of saw doing the comedy thing as an opportunity and I didn't want it to, I didn't want to or blow that opportunity. I guess I'm sort of seeing that the same with this rotary talk that I'm going to be doing. So yeah, I guess I really like to take opportunities that come my way. So I kind of try and sort of say that to myself. And I guess I think, Chris, you sort of start to build up a sense of confidence and a sense of, you know, everything's going to be okay. Like, what's the worst kind of that can happen and you, and you having put yourself out there a few times and done these sort of uncomfortable things that we've touched on and in previous podcasts as well you do start to think like oh well it's not the end of the world if I do fail or if it does go wrong and I don't really it's not that I don't care but I, I'm not I'd rather I'd be more disappointed about not trying than failing you know so I think there's a level of sort of yeah experience or, or kind of maybe thick skinness is what it is that you sort of build up over sort of putting you know self out there trying uncomfortable things and and having failed many times in the past and I will fail many times more you kind of you just kind of become more comfortable with that it's like looking it back to your training as training days as well is that um getting uncomfortable is a muscle that you can progressively flex as well but mm. it's really mm. helpful to do it progressively so that you don't yeah. overload it absolutely eh? absolutely and I, I just think it's really important to remember that this is an incredibly natural human feeling to have you know everybody has it no matter you know if they're a world cup football player at the you know moment on the top of their game or they're you know world famous movie star or whatever everybody gets uncomfortable in certain situations you know and they might look all confident and and comfortable and on top of the world but you know they 100% guarantee that they are uncomfortable either it's some to some extent in that situation or in other situations or other contexts it's just a completely natural human construct and I think if you can be okay with that and deal with it and face it then you know life can be so rewarding so much more rewarding than forever you know trying to stay comfortable and, and and fearing the uncomfortable exactly mate exactly now nick i've got a couple more quick questions for you but i just want to take a moment to say thank you so much for spending some time to have a chat with me tonight it's been amazing as always but i also want to say thank you as well for all the work that you were doing to kind of try and try and steer humanity onto the right track and kind of stop us going down, stop us going too far down a path that we can't come back from. So much appreciated, mate, for for saving you, the mate. world for future generations. 
Oh, well, I don't, I'm quite saving the world, but yeah, I'm, I'm making some noise at least, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, good. Nick, if people want to learn more off you or want to work with you at all or uh, want to just follow along, how how can they do that? What are the best places for them to get in follow touch? with you? Uh, yeah, got, get in touch. got my website, which is gowellconsulting.co.nz. My email is gowellconsulting at gmail.com. I'm quite loud on Facebook. If you just look Nick Morrison on Facebook, I should be on there. I, I make my profiles public so I um, can spread the message far and wide so you should be able to find me on there and Nick Mori A4 on Instagram. Yeah, those are probably the best channels or I think I'm on Twitter. I am on Twitter. Nick Mori 84 on Twitter as well. But yeah, email and, and, and website are probably the best ways to go. Nice and people should check out the Bags Not campaign as well. Absolutely, yeah, bagsnot.org.nz and sign up. If you sign up before the end of the July, you go in the draw to win a organic dynamic surfboard, which is a pretty awesome prize. That is, so, that is. Uh, so, yeah, get into that and, yeah, say bags not to single-use plastics. Very cool. Nick, last question for you, mate. Do you have a challenge to leave me and the listeners with this week? Do plastic-free July. So go the month of July without using single-use plastic. <laughs> beautiful that's an easy challenge (laughs) nick morrison thank you so much for getting uncomfortable with me today no worries chris thanks so much mate there you have it team i hope you enjoyed nick and i having a chat today definitely take up his challenge and just just start off try and get rid of one plastic thing that you use on a regular basis whether that's plastic straws or whether that's plastic bags once you've built a habit around that then tackle the next thing it's like with anything in life is and getting uncomfortable as well as if we go slowly and we go progressively then it's amazing that the change that we can make over time follow along with nick he has some great ideas and also some great tips about how you can reduce your your plastic consumption and he's reasonably amusing with it at the same time I want to say thank you to my brother Jeremy Desmond for the awesome theme music that he supplies for this this podcast. I want to say thank you to the guys down at Floatwell uh, for letting me be an ambassador for them. If you want to go down, if you're in Wellington, you want to go down for a float, use the promo code CHRIS for 15% off a casual float. And... I want to say thank you for you guys as well for spending the time getting uncomfortable with me on a regular basis. It it means a lot and I'm looking forward to talking to you all again next week. Have a great week.